I'm Bridget Metcalf. Join me each week as I chat with leaders from around the world, shining a light of global issues that affect us all, so the truth may be known. Don't miss out on the conversation. Go to your favorite podcast streaming service now to subscribe to Truth Be Known. For upcoming podcasts, go to truthbeknown.org and enjoy the conversation. Hello, friends. This is Bridget Metcalf, and thank you for joining us today on the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm so excited to introduce to you my new friend and best-selling author, Pashmina. Pashmina currently lives in Bangkok, Thailand with her family. Her travels, friends, and family are the catalyst for her imagination and creativity. She loves music, the arts, and swimming in the ocean. As an international bestseller and self-made marketing, writing, and consulting guru, Pashmina had left the public relations industry and transitioned into teaching, a profession she loved for 16 years. But writing has always remained her truest passion. The first thing I would say is journal. Journal heals and it saves your life. There's such a power in holding a pen. We've forgotten so much how to do that because we're so connected to our laptops and computers and I'm, too, I, I'm the same. How I figured out I wanted to be a writer at eight years old is because I started to actually hold a pen and paper and write and then staple all the pages together so it looked like a spine and you know, like created a book. So really practice going back to the basics. The Cappuccino Chronicles three book series, What is a Gupsy, children's book, and coming soon, Red Lipstick, never hurt anyone being released july 2021 all have a different storyline but written with a clever expressive and stylish flair that you will enjoy enjoy the conversation as we dive into this week's episode of truth be known to my mom's house to eat authentic Indian food like lentils and roti and you know yogurt and paneer they eat this it's just something that she makes every Monday because we're vegetarian on Mondays and my little one says this tastes like food from grandma's house I'm like Shh, it's not supposed to say that it's fusion and and the guy was like really you know and I thought you know mixing Indian with something is quite brave because Indian spices are so overpowering. I didn't get any of the Mexican taste in there, honestly, to be honest. What did you order? What kind of food did everything. you order? We A smorgasbord? Uh-huh. <laughs> we wanted to try everything. So we did, we did the prawns, we did the, the salad in the beginning, we did the quesadillas, we did the, the fried okra, we did a little bit of lamb. We just went crazy. We yeah. just wanted to try everything. And I've got like meat eaters in my family. So I you know, loved the fried okra. I had that and that was amazing. And and they had a broccoli dish too. That was like a fusion. Yeah, it was really good. So you have to try that again. Well, I wanted to ask you today, Kashmina, how did you get started in writing? Like what, what happened and what inspired you was this something that you started as a little girl journaling or is this something that came new later on in life or you always knew you were going to be a writer? I loved books ever since I was a child. My parents had a library and of course my mother had the most like chick lit stuff from like Danielle Steele and all those ladies. And my dad had very, very heavy 
heavy stuff like Shogun, James Clavell and Alex Haley Roots. And he loved to read a lot of like journals of, of true memoirs. Um, my dad loved crime and my mom loved love stories and recipes. So their library in the den at our home in Worldwide Gardens in Hong Kong was, a, was like a melange, like a mixture of, of different kinds of genres. So as a child, I'd love to pretend to be a librarian. I love the sound of the stamp on the books. And then I started to actually pick them up and read. I read my first book when I was six years old. And I just love like the texture of what books felt like. I love the smell of books. I, I loved like being able to read and I didn't have to watch anything or listen to anything except the sound of my own words in my head. And I realized, I think at eight years old, that I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to see my name on the front of a book. Wow. Uh, yeah. At eight years yeah. old. Wow. So you just had this love for reading and a love for books. And how was that fostered more in your family? Like, did your mom and dad, like, did they take you to special courses? Did they hear this desire and have you do that? Or was it just by read, read, read? I think, you know, I really believe in DNA and genetics. And, you know, Joe Dispenza talks about this too, like it's passed on. I always saw my mom and dad reading. And so it kind of like was inbred in me. Like we had silent time where everyone was reading something. My mom always read before she went to bed. My dad had the newspaper in front of his face all the time or his novel next to him. So it was just something that, you know, you just watch and you do. And I was conditioned to have that silent time as well. And I would sit in our terrace at home over there. We had like this wicker chair hanging from the, the ceiling of the terrace. And I would sit there and I would just read to the mountains because we had a mountain view back then. And I would pretend the mountains were my students and I'd read aloud to them. It was just inbred in me because I saw my parents doing it. And my daughter does it now, my eldest. She loves the smell of books. She goes to a bookstore once a week. She reads before she goes to bed. So I can really see how legacy passed on that way as well. That is incredible. Is there a certain author that has really inspired you that you've followed their footsteps or wanted to kind of follow in their ways? Or do you kind of have your own path or discovery that you've made? I always say like, I don't want to be like I'm cheating on someone if I say I have a favorite author <laughs> because myself, I'm on my fifth book and I've written fiction, children's book. I'm into self-help genre at the moment. So I have a whole bunch of different authors that I love. I grew up reading Shel Silverstein as a children's book. And I loved how adults could actually engage because he did have a bit of a dark side. At the moment, you know, people are saying the giving tree is such a terrible story. But if you read between the lines, he is still trying to teach you something. I love Jhumpa Lahiri. She's a Indian writer who lives in Boston. They brand her as an American novelist. And she wrote the namesake, which is amazing because the boy's name was Google Ganguly. And he got made fun of because of his name when he was in the States. And my name, Pashmina, people, you know, used to, it's goat hair at the end of the day. You know, I mean, it is a shawl, but, you know, when you go down to basics, it's goat hair. And the kings and queens used to wear it. So I love that book because I resonate. And I really do love Amy Tan who wrote The Joy Luck Club. I grew up in Hong Kong. I grew up with very stringent Asian aunties who raised me as well, who became part of the characters in my last book, Endless Espressos. 
So it's quite interesting. Like I, I really do love all kinds of genre and without feeling like I'm being in infidelity or whatever, like I'm cheating on other, on other authors. I feel like, you know, I, I, I do love a full range of different kinds of, mm -hmm. of literature. That's, that's amazing. And it's probably really shaped. You can glean from each one. You can have that inspiration that just actually forms who you are. And so I do, I have your book with me, yeah. uh, the Cappuccino Chronicles, and I started to dive into it. Tell us a little bit about your books that you've written and kind of the, the way that you're headed in your writing and, and where you want to go with it. So tell us a little bit about your book series. I studied theater arts, so I have a very visual brain. Like I see everything on stage. My life is a musical. I'm always singing. I'm always like equating things to, to theater. And when I wrote The Cappuccino Chronicles, I saw it as a script. So that's why there's a lot of conversation in there. And I think what one of my agents said to me, the gift that I had was capturing voice through conversation, that you could actually hear the different women through the way that they were speaking, which really kind of stroked my ego a little bit, which gave me more power and more confidence to write the other two books. So my vision when I wrote it was actually thinking of the Joy Luck Club and Sex in the City at the same time, mm -hmm. so that we would be able to create a series of these women who like in Cheers, they use the bar, but this time it was Bazika that they use the coffee shop as their haunt where everyone goes in and out, you know, with the bell ringing as, the, as they come in and out of the door. So that's, that was my brainchild and I'm still working towards that. I have a couple of agents that are on the ball with it, you know, looking at it in that aspect, but I do hope to see it in film or theater rendition very soon. What an incredible vision you have for that as well. And what are some of the pieces that are forming inside of you for the future? Do you have some new ideas and new directions that you're going for your future novels? Yeah, I have this one coming out, Red Lipstick Never Heard Anyone, because I really want to dedicate this to, the, to my clients from the online author's office who come to me and ask, how did you basically come out of being a teacher into becoming an international bestseller? And I tell them nothing happens overnight but everything happens with the spirit. So this next book, this uh, red lipstick book is really talking about how to be an authentic and holistic marketer. Yes, you have to do some technical things and that's why you have a team. So this is really dedicated to them. I also have a collection of nine short stories called Am I the One? which is still in process with an agent. I'm thinking it's been there since 2016 because I was hoping to get that into a big five publishing house. But if that doesn't work, I'm thinking about taking it back and maybe rewriting it and then writing that as a screenplay as well. Do you remember the movie Crash? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where it was like pieces of different people's lives, but at the end they were connected. So it's something, it's something similar to that. But these are set in nine different parts of the world. I'm not very keen on one story, which is set in Japan, and I haven't been there. So I kind of feel like I've che I cheated the story. All the other places I've been to, and I want to make sure that when I write about Japan that I've actually experienced like the sakura blossoms, the taste, the smells. So I'm, it's kind of like a research piece as well. That's exciting. You've got some great things coming down the pipe and ready to launch. So I'll, I'll believe with you that you're going to be able to get that book 
ready mm-hmm. and, and go out there. So I noticed in our conversation, our personal conversation, that you really love to inspire others to also be creative. And so tell us a little bit about your projects that you're doing right now and how you're able to inspire young emerging authors. A beautiful mentor once told me that we all have a story inside us. And another mentor said, we're not pigeons. So we have the ability to hold a pen and write. And we have a brain and we have a soul and we have everything that that helps us, you know, without thinking that we're the superior species. We have a lot of things going for us and storytelling is one of them. We've passed on stories from generation to generation. I don't know if you've read The Red Tent. This is a phenomenal book about legacy and womanhood and and how these women pass on stories through, through being the matriarchs of their family. Like one day, I'll be the matriarch of my family and I think, whoa, you know, my mom is that person right now. It's very, quite big shoes to fill in. So with this in mind, teaching or like inspiring other authors that they have the power to do this really gives them hope that they too can become published authors. So at our office, we're a place that they can hang their hat. And we have a bunch of different services from ghostwriting to editing to marketing, getting in touch with media, counsel about agencies, different mediums of writing, illustrators, whatever you want in terms of an author, we can offer that to you. And of course, we have mentors on the team, and I'm one of them. And I love my job because I love hearing how people were able to open the door by just speaking about it. So important when you speak about things. Yeah, so if somebody was interested in being a part of that and really wanting to blossom in their writing skills, how would they get a hold of you and how can they get connected? They could just email me on pashmina.p.writer at gmail.com or I'm on Facebook on the Cappuccino Chronicles International Bestseller. They can go to my website as well, pashminap.com and uh, set up an appointment. And I'm always available to speak to anyone around the world. Just on Monday, I was in five continents. I have clients all over the world. And this is the part that makes my soul flutter, that I can actually speak to people in Kenya, in London, in the Philippines, in India, in LA. And it's we're all the same people. And we all have the same visions and dreams. And, and it gives me goosebumps when they're like, okay, let's do this. I'm like, okay, let's do it. You know, some people come with a manuscript and then we take it to the editors. I have a PhD editor on the team. I've actually got four editors on the team. So it goes in line from the PhD degree holder all the way to the beta reader, who's the reader that reads it like as if they picked it off the shelf in the bookstore. And if they don't have anything and they want ghostwriting, we can always find a ghostwriter for them as well. So we, oh, yeah, so we, we have the whole gamut. Yeah. So if, if you were to have a group of students or inspiring writers right in front of you, what would be, I know this is a difficult question, but what would be the top three tips that you would say to inspire them? The first thing I would say is journal. Journal heals and it saves your life. There's such a power in holding a pen. We've forgotten so much how to do that. 
because we're so connected to our laptops and computers and I'm too, I, I'm the same. How I figured out I wanted to be a writer at eight years old is because I started to actually hold a pen and paper and write and then staple all the pages together so it looked like a spine and, you know, like created a book. So really practice going back to the basics. This is why my logo is a quill, a feather and a book, because I really believe in that recognition between hand and mind coherence that you are actually coming from your soul when you're physically writing. So journaling is my first top piece of advice. And don't worry if there's any punctuation or if you're spelling correctly, it's a stream of consciousness that just is for you and go for it. After you've done that, my second piece of advice is to look at it again and go back and clean it up. Clean it up and really follow your intuition of what the line of the story is all about. Who is your audience? The first one is you're writing for yourself. The second part is who are you writing this for? Is it for women? Is it for children? Is it for men and women? Is it for parents? Who are your top people that you want to tap into this genre? Then the next thing is seek an editor or a mentor who will go through your writing and give you an honest opinion of what they think where your writing should go because you really need someone to look at it to see that if it can be publishable and find someone who's reputable, who will tell you the truth because you don't want anyone to be like, oh yeah, this is great. And you go out there, leave your legacy out there with a whole bunch of mistakes in it. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's like that nucleus, you know, that starting with yourself and then starting with the, with a group of people and then realizing that you want it out there on a global scale. You were sharing with me a story about a young man that is a creative and he did an illustration for one of your books. So you're inspiring young people that are creative to also utilize their gifts and their talents. How can somebody that is an illustrator get involved and be inspired by what you're doing as well? Absolutely. It's actually the artist who did What is a Gupsi, which is my children's book, which was a labor of love. And he actually signed on another contract just three weeks ago with another author who found us because they they love the characters. And he's actually enlisted for another one, but he's still in school. So I'm not sure if I can push him that far. So what I do is I love to host workshops and look for young talent because children are our future. I mean, I don't want to sound like Whitney Houston, but they really are. (laughs) And the Native American saying where we borrow the earth from our children, we don't inherit it from our parents is really true. Basically, what I look for is for these artists who later in life, this is their purpose, this is their future, and to give them a little bit of a head start into what they want to do in the future is really my passion as well. I have a master's of international education. I've been teaching for 20 years. And as a drama teacher, watching kids come in who are like painfully shy. And then after the years end, they're like the main part in West Side Story. You're like, are you the same kid? What happened to you? This makes my heart flutter as well. To inject that kind of confidence and hope into kids who really know that they have a passion but don't know how to expel it or or where to go. And what we do is we create bids. So an author will come and say, okay, I want this, this, and this. And I'll go out into my networks and I'll say, okay, guys, there's a bid going on for a character of a dog. Just say my example. We need to create a really cute pug and a little African-American girl, you know, on the front of the cover. What can you do? 
and they get paid. They don't get paid a lot of money. It's like something like 30 bucks US or something like that for the bid. And you'll see those ones who are really have the drive to actually perform and do and, and impress. And then the author will spend maybe like, I don't know, 12,000 baht to get 12 authors to bid. And then we take it back to the author and then they choose which illustrator they want. But this boy who's done what is a group seed, he's already out there in the market. He became an international bestseller with this book already by being under our fold and under our company because I already had a market that he tapped into. So he's out there. This book becomes his business card as well. That's incredible. What an opportunity. Let's go back to your origins of when you were doing drama. Where did that come from? I mean, is this a result of your books that you read and in your mind became, like you said, a musical in your mind? And is that where the heart and the passion for drama came from? Or <laughs> I always wanted to be an anchor on CNN. That was my passion. Like I wanted to be like the next Christian Amanpour or the next Lorraine Hahn or one of those big wigs, like have my own talk show on CNN. I've studied in London. That's why a lot of my book is set in London because I loved living there. And it was just such a beautiful space for creativity. But my father asked me to come home because he just said like, you know, I don't think you should be living in London. It's very expensive. And I lost my chance with the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts to actually audition for Anchor. But what you said is true. Like when I read the books, when I was reading to the mountains, I would read them like as if I was a reporter or in a different accent. And I remember my kids, when my kids were growing up, we'd read storybooks in like a Chinese accent, an Indian accent, a British accent. And we'd just go like crazy. I mean, some people might find that a little bit inappropriate, but... You know, I come from a family where I'm married to a black man. My stepdad is Chinese. My mom is Indian. So I, I can't be branded as a racist, I don't <laughs> think. So that feeling of seeing book people, like seeing them come to life, really intrigued me. Mm -hmm. And then I wrote a script when I was at university called Insomnia, which was actually inspired by a, a trip to the woman's prison in San Joaquin County in California. And from there, I realized that you could actually write something and you could actually see people perform it. When they produced my script, I was like, oh, wow, this is where this is happening. This is why I saw the people, the book people in my brain. This is how it's, it, it forms into 3D. So I, that's where it was born. Wow. So now can you see the Cappuccino Chronicles becoming a show or a movie or a TV series, or do you have that vision as well? Yes. And I mean, it doesn't matter what 3D medium, whether it's a film, movie, or theater, any one of them will, will just like send my soul into a vortex that's just going to spin me into complete happiness. Because at the moment, I do see that we need some kind of relief from what's going on in the world right now with COVID. And I see a musical lineup because there's so many different cultures in there. You know, and the main character, well, he's not really a main character, but he's one of the characters. He's a musician at this club called La Bella Luna. So I see Latin music, and then there's an Indian girl. I see Bollywood music, and then there's the Eurasian girl. I see, like, Shanghainese music. You know, I see jazz music at the coffee shop. I hear it. I see it. So I would love for that to happen if, I, if it can just be any of those mediums because that's what that was my intention when I wrote it when I hear you speak I see a full gamut of 
a passion inside of you. I don't just see an author or hear an author, but I hear a producer, a person that wow. thinks of any, the, all the elements to make this work. And so when you were writing the Cappuccino Chronicles, in your mind, did you see it like that? Or at that moment, was it just getting it down on paper? Or could you see it? Could you see this bigger vision when you were writing? I started writing this when my daughter was in the NICU. The midwife got really like, you need to either get in a straight jacket or you need to go and do something else. So mm -hmm. she gave me a pad and paper. And, you know, the whole story is that I wrote a bad word on it and came home and cried and, and you know, said bad things about her. And then my husband came to her rescue and mine and said, this woman is giving you a tool, roll with it. So I took the pad and paper and started to journal for myself. And I watched the barista at the coffee shop of the hospital talk to everybody. She was talking to the doctors. She knew them. She knew what they wanted. She knew their order. You know, she was talking to patients that had been there for so long. And so I became friends with her because I had been there three months, three and a half months with my daughter. And then thrown back in when my appendix almost ruptured. So she was like the in-house Ted Danson kind of character, if you will, <laughs> you know, so initially I was just writing, but then as the story evolved and it became more like with Mocha Madness and Endless Espressos, the passion and the drive and the coffee shop, I can see it. I know how it looks became more real. So it was so much easier to write when I could actually see them aging in this space and in this set and what their costumes looked like. And it was almost theatrical, almost like a script. So it evolved into something more for sure. That's so exciting. I, I wanted to ask you this question in some of our conversation that we had. You talked about a thankful list that you started. And I thought that was really amazing. I'd love for my audience to hear about how important this is to you in your life and how you've inspired other people to do it. And where did this start from? I can't live without a gratitude list. I try to do 10 things a day and I know we're all very busy. If I can at least do five, I'm okay. And what I really believe in is that when you give gratitude, the doors of the universe, and I don't want to sound like I'm like in the occult or anything like that, but you will receive things that you never imagined could happen. Things that you dreamed about will suddenly just come to fruition and you're thinking, really? Because gratitude lists, again, it's that pen and paper, the brain and heart coherence, connecting with your subconscious. Honestly, in the conscious world, we're robots. Wake up, go to the gym, have a coffee, make sure the kids have breakfast, see them to the door, blah, blah, blah. It's really robotic if you think about it. There's nothing really exciting that we do unless we do unless we plan like something exciting but our everyday life is pretty schedulized so writing the gratitude list helps me dream so i say things like i'm so happy and grateful i'm living on my own private island <laughs> you know <I> mean, <laughs> and maybe mm -hmm. one day i will you know mm -hmm. maybe one day i'll be living on the beach and and i remember my mom saying to me that i used to say this when i was 7 years old like why can't we just have an island with all the beautiful people and she remembers saying to me, well, who would be the immigration officer? I'm like, I would. And she's like, mm, that's a bit scary. <laughs> so gratitude lists. I taught my husband and my kids to do this. And I started this when my children were born. 
because I really believe that they were given to me as a gift. Mm-hmm. And my mom was the one who's, who actually taught us to do this. She dreamed up her dream home after her divorce in Hong Kong, in one of the most prestigious locations with minimal money that she had in her bank account. And she wanted a house with a garden and like three bedrooms and a huge garage with her BMW sitting there. And as a real estate agent, you know, she saw some beautiful properties when we were growing up. And within a year, she had written that, I'm so happy and grateful that I've dreamed up my dream home with a huge garden where my kids are playing. And she did it. And I mean, it wasn't to say that it was effortless. I mean, she worked, but she worked because she loved what she did. She wasn't in the mines or she wasn't like construction or anything like that. She was just selling beautiful homes. And finally she got hers. And my gratitude list have willed me to health as well, have willed my, my, my daughter to health and my youngest daughter to, to excel. So I really believe in tapping into your subconscious. That's what the gratitude list is all about. Mm-hmm. I do, I really strongly do believe in being a grateful, thankful person. And as you share that with others and you, and you find the things and other people that you can be grateful and thankful for, and you focus on the positive, it really does pull people into a place of wanting to aspire and to go further. It brings the best out of them in a way it's affirmation in practice, right? And so you're, you're pulling that out of people. What a great daily routine to be in where you can wake up in the morning. And I, I'm not sure exactly what, what it looks like for you, but do you wake up in the morning and write your list or is it before you go to bed or how do you do that? I, I really do change it around sometimes because I'm, like I said, I'm, we're all creatures of routine and habit. And if it becomes something that's too mundane, I mean, I know I have to brush my teeth every day. Otherwise, my dentist will just be like, you know, and go out with stinky mouth. No, I don't want to do that. (laughs) But sometimes I switch it up a little bit. And then I'm grateful for the day and what came into my life. Like you were in my gratitude list. You know, you bought me lunch and and you blessed the food for us. And I was in tears at lunch and you were in my gratitude list. And today, this morning, before I went to the gym, I said, I'm so happy and grateful to get to meet Bridget again. You know, she's such a bright soul. So I really kind of switch it up a little bit just when I know that my heart is calling for it, but I know it has to be a daily practice. And I also want to go back to what you said. When you do that, you aspire and you connect with people who are positive. But at the same time, the universe will spin all those negative people out of your realm as well. And suddenly, because you're really tapping into your own being, you will find that people will fall off of your radar so quickly because they don't share the same energy as you. Mm-hmm. My husband and I are on a, on a hundred day gratitude list challenge at the moment. And I think we're on like day 85 and something happens in the day. And I'm like, have you done it? He's like, I'll do it. And like, after we've done it, we feel so much more calmer. After we've done the hundred days, we're going to show our kids and we're going to try and get them to do 50 days because they also get entangled in their own school and friends and all that stuff. So 
Another thing that I also believe in is leading by example. Don't tell people to do it if you're not doing it. Absolutely. What a great leader does is lead from the head and also to lead by example. So I think with that, I want to ask you to tell me a little bit about your novel that you're writing right now, your book that you're writing on. Red lipstick never hurt Red anyone. Red lipstick <laughs> never hurt anyone. That's right. Thank you for clarifying that. So tell me a little bit about this book and what is the inspiration behind this one and what does this look like? It's so different from children's book and fiction because children's book and fiction is pure fantasy, exactly where I love my brain to be because it's an escape, you mm -hmm. know, but this is really getting down to my experiences and being very raw and very real about who I am as an author and what I had to do in order to get where I am today. I'm not saying that I finished doing what I want to do. You know, I'm 45. If I'm halfway to 90, I still have a lot of way to go. So this book is more of a legacy book and a teaching book. I've met so many remarkable people along the way who have taught me so much. And I need to give credence and I need to give honor to these people. But there's also been a whole bunch of nasty people that I've met along the way mm -hmm. who I've got entangled and entrapped in their web and really duped and scammed and just felt like, where am I? What am I doing? And having to start from ground zero again. So it's really a book that teaches my audience, especially authors who are doing this for the first time, what it takes to, to build that resilience, what it takes to sharpen your intuition and what it takes to be a holistic writer. Because not everybody's going to like your writing. People are going to bash you and say, oh my gosh, you know, she's this and she's that. And I've heard it so many times. You really have to hang out with a tribe. There's one chapter in my book where I talk about culling, like really like going and people are like, that's really butcherish. And I'm like, you have to look at it from a, from a different perspective. It's not always rainbows and unicorns and flowers. And we all know that. And culling has become a sport for me, you know, spiritually. I'm not saying like I go into the chicken coop and I start like chopping chickens heads off. But uh -huh. if people are not in my frequency, I'm quicker to say, okay, that's okay. Thank you for your time. Thank you for everything that you've taught me. Thank you for being there when I needed you, but we're not in the same space at the moment. What is the healthy balance between, you had said earlier on when you were talking about tips for people, is that healthy in between where somebody inspires you, but also a critical thinker for you. Like they, they can see things and, and can tell you the truth about some things that you need to eliminate or need to change to improve prove you what's that balance and do you talk about that in the book as well or is, yeah mm -hmm. those people are on my team they mm -hmm. tell me all the time you need to improve you know this is not correct you know I have mentors who tell me go on this line you're going way off of line those are fine but those people who attack you personally or attack your family or attack your spirit those people have no space in my realm. When mm -hmm. something becomes innately personal and a dig at your persona, at your family, those people don't have a space for me. Gossip is one thing that I hate. You mm -hmm. have something to say to me, say it to my face because I'm that kind of chick. 
-hmm. I can be confrontational. I can be an angel, but if you stab me in the back, I'm going to turn around and just my bazooka mouth, my red lips <laughs> are going to hurt. Mm -hmm. So th this is what I really believe in. Be brave. If you have something to say to somebody, be brave and say it to their face. Because one thing I don't like is people like going behind and saying, oh, you know, this and that. And women have a tendency to do it. The women in my book do it to each other, left, right, and center. They're really a great example of how sometimes you really have to learn to be non-confrontational, but a little bit loud and proud. So the healthy balance is to listen to those people who you know care about you. I have mentors and I have people on my team. I have family members who are correcting me a lot of time. And I take it and I learn. But people who are talking behind my back, attacking my family, saying things that make me look unworthy are people that I don't want to spend time with. Mm -hmm. they're, they're the kinds of people that bring their problems into the whole mix and mix it up with, without foresight. So how do you do that? How do you step away and remove that person from any kind of influence in your life? What would be your method on that? I tell them, please leave me alone. I've actually said that to mm -hmm. people verbally. Please leave me alone. I need a break from you or I just need some time and space. And I put it back on me because it is me that I need a break from in space and time. And some people just ghost me and don't talk to me. They belong there in the ether. And I write this exact line in my book. When people ghost you, they belong in the ether. I just got that back from the editor one of the editors yesterday, and they're like, ooh, we like this. <laughs> That's where they belong, there. And, and just leave them there, and it's okay. And people must understand that there is a time and space and place for everything. Mm -hmm. And to honor people's space and time. And people have said it to me as well. I need a break from you. You're too much. It's like, okay, fine. Don't worry about it. When you're ready, I'm here. Mm -hmm. I, I love the way that you're analyzing this and also, you know, kind of step by step with this. But with those who are speaking truth to you that maybe it hurts, you continue to allow them to have that right in your life and to inspire and to encourage you to be a better person. So you really have a healthy balance in that. I have a very strong mother who's taught me that because she's got three of us. We all got big red lipstick mouths. So, you know, and we learned it from- I her, loved meeting your mom, by the way. She's you. amazing. <laughs> thank you. I'm so glad I chose her. I really am because I've learned so much from her and she's helped us to create that balance. Oh, she will come down on me and say, you know what? What you said to this person is not correct. Go back and, and apologize. And I will, as she said, I don't care if you have to eat humble pie 10 times today, you will go back and you will apologize to this person because from an outside perspective, you look really rough and gruff and I didn't raise a, a woman like this. Or she'll come out like a tiger and say, you better stay away from this person. Their energy is horrible. You tell them you, they need to be away from you and your family and how dare they speak about your family like this. My mother's intuition is so sharp. It's it could almost dig you, you know, that she can smell like an imposter from a mile away. It's really interesting. And I want this. I want this for me when I become the matriarch of my own family.
Absolutely. That sounds like she's there to build your family up and to build you up, but yet be honest with you at the same time. Mm -hmm. She wants to give you an authentic reality where you're going and what you're doing. So that's very inspiring. If you don't mind, I thought it was so great. The story that you told me about getting your lipstick (laughs) to Mac. I, I just, I think that was a great story. If you don't mind sharing that with our audience today. I loved it because I thought, wow, it it actually, as I heard this and I'm getting to know you more, I thought, I love this lady. Is she so bold and courageous that she would do this and then be able to laugh at herself at the same time? So would you share that with us? Sure. So I've been using Russian Red Mac lipstick, okay, copyright Mac, for I don't know how many years. I've tried every single red, but the one that I love is Russian Red. And like, I it just stuck to my face, you know? I mean, you wear so much of it. It's so difficult to like wipe it off before you go to bed at night. So we were talking on Facebook and I said, I want to, you know, make up my own lipstick. And they said, why don't you call it passion? Like P-A-S-H and then I-O-N because ion is like a, how do you call it? Like a scientific molecule or whatever. So passionate and passion, like combined together with science and love. So I said, okay, I'm calling Mac tomorrow. You can see this on my Facebook thread. And I did. I woke up in the morning and I called up Mac and I started talking to this lady and she was so uninterested. She was like, "Uh uh-huh, yes, okay. And I was so excited and I said, you know, and I'm writing a book and, you know, I'm an international best-selling author and this is my fifth book and I would love to have a lipstick launch with Mac with my book and a new lipstick. She goes, are you from Hollywood? And I went, no, but maybe I will be soon. Um, you know, I'm just an author from <laughs> Thailand. She's like, I don't think this is going to work. And I was like, but why? I've been using Russian Red forever. You can go back into your records and see how many times I bought it in my life. She's like, I don't think this is going to work. Who are you again? And I was like, my name is Pashmina. And I wrote the Cappuccino Chronicles. And what is a group scene? I'm an international best-selling author. And where do you live again? And I said, I live in Bangkok, Thailand, but I grew up in Hong Kong. I've lived in London. I really want to create a lipstick. She's like, no, I'm so sorry. I don't think this is going to work. I was like, are you sure? Can I come in and meet you? Can we get on Zoom? She's like, no, I'm sorry. I really have a busy day, but I wish you all the best. I wish you all the luck. Thank you so much, Pashmina. And that was the end of the conversation. (laughs) And I got off the phone and I was just like, what have I done? And then I met you for lunch that day. And you said, why not Bobby Brown? Or, you know, why not, why not L'Oreal? Because you and I were at a CanCham meeting together when we didn't even know each other, but got the Mm -hmm. same giveaway gift, which was from L'Oreal. And then when I met you again, my sister's friend had said, I know somebody like who can help you maybe from like urban decay. And I was like, okay, this is like opening up doors. And the story made my mom cackle like crazy. She's like, you just have like balls of steel. Who would do something <laughs> like that? And then she I said, why don't, you get, why don't you get dressed up and we go to the office together? And I said, why? To get more rejection? She said, yeah, we'll go get rejected together. Let's see what they say. And I was like, no, I think it just taught me that there's so many other doors that you can open. And when one door closes immediately, you know, another one opened with you and with this other lady that I met at my sister's workshop. And I was like, but I laugh about it because the audacity to, to even think that something like that. And, and she's like, who are you? 
are you are you from Hollywood? Oh, you're from Bangkok, Thailand. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> I loved it. And I actually, when you told me that story, I thought you and I are going to be really good friends because I, I saw in you this tenacity and boldness. And so I, I was really actually inspired by that and thought this is my kind of girl right here. Aww. So I <laughs> love it. You. Well, I, I wanted to ask you as we're concluding our time today, what would be some lasting words that you could give to my audience? If you could just leave your mark on their hearts today, what would you like to say to them about their creativity or if they're writing or just really an inspiration to you, a final words? I created a quote that is at the front of my, uh, what is a Gupsi book? Because I had an epiphany um, when I visited a spiritual master in 2019. And so this is what I want to leave everyone with. And this is a quote that I created, um, which I'm going to be putting it on my next book as well. So epiphanies come to fruition through intuition and trusting in the power of the present moment. Mm, that's really good. I love that. I love that. What a great word. I so appreciate you being on the Truth Be Known podcast today and sharing your love for writing, your love to see others walk in their creativity and what they have, their God-given gifts. And I just think that it's amazing to see you just go from being this little girl who just loved to read and loved to read to the mountains and now you're reading to the nations and the books are going out and they're, they're being grasped onto and people are holding onto them. You're a bestseller. It's an amazing story to see unfold. And so I'm so glad for your inspiration and this newfound friendship that we have. And I can't wait to see and read your new book that will be coming out and see what else uh, is going to happen in your life and your career. Thank you so much. You are just such a wonderful human being. And I really believe that the universe drew me to you at the American Women's Association meeting that day for Women Empowerment Day. And what a great day that we made a connection where I really feel that you empowered me today. So thank you so very much for having me on this beautiful platform and for you know, being there and, and just asking me these wonderful pertinent questions. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, Pashmina, for joining us today on Truth Be Known. The Cappuccino Chronicles is an international best-selling series. All three in this series, including the Cappuccino Chronicles, Mocha Madness, and Endless Espressos, are available on Amazon.com and reputable booksellers worldwide. If you would like to contact Pashmina and be inspired, or if you have a book idea, need a ghostwriter, a publisher, editor, illustrator, Pashmina is the one to contact. Email Pashmina, P-A-S-H-M-I-N-A dot P dot writer at gmail.com. Also, you can go to thecappuccinochronicles.com to find out more. Thank you, friends, for tuning in to Truth Be Known. And go to truthbeknown.org. That's truthbeknown.org. Or email us at truthbeknown.org at gmail.com to find out more about our future episodes and guests that will be joining us each week. You can always find us on your favorite streaming service. And don't forget to let the truth be known.